sure I'm glad that all them years ago that I that I got in this thing for Jesus Christ. Um, there's a whole lot of things that the world will do to pull you out. And you just got to decide to please the Lord over everybody else. Um, Charlie, I, I don't even know what, what we got first on here. Okay. Uh, Exodus chapter number 12 is where we'll start at. Exodus chapter number 12. How many of you know what comes before Exodus 12? <laughs> there we go. Y'all are getting it now. Like, we are picking up steam. Uh, Y'all think that's funny, but for some reason, when you ask people around here what, what comes before Exodus 12, they're like, uh, uh, I, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody thinks everything's a trick question. And uh, so we're in Exodus chapter number 12, uh, but before Exodus chapter number 12, there is Exodus chapter number 11. <clears throat> He said, what does this have to do with resurrection? Well, just hang on. We'll, we'll get there in just a little bit. Exodus chapter number 11 is a, is a time period in your Bible to where, uh, to where God is breaking the children of Israel free. He sent nine plagues. He sent blood and turned the water into blood. And he sent the plague of frogs and lice, flies. God help us. He's killed the livestock. God has killed the livestock of the Egyptians. He sent boils. He's rained down hell. He's sent locusts. He put them in darkness for three days. And now in Exodus chapter number 11, we've come to the place where God finally culminates all of his big extravaganza to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but when we got to the flies, I'm done. Like, I'm almost done with the summer, and it ain't even started yet. For some reason, we, we have unleashed the swarm of flies over on, Brush, on, on Brazzle Mountain, and I can't figure out where they're coming from, but I wish they'd go back. I, could, I, could, I think I could handle a lot of things, but, you know, that, that whole flies thing, that's just a lot. I know where flies land. Right? And in my mind, I can't help but think, where's that fly been? But it, but it doesn't work that way with, with, with the Egyptians. It doesn't work that way with Pharaoh. I mean, we have to have nine severe plagues, and then on the tenth plague, God culminates the entire thing. And on the tenth plague, he concludes this series of judgment with the death of the firstborn. In Exodus 11, on into Exodus chapter number 12, the children of Israel, they're, they're in hurry. They're in distress. They have anxiety. This is the last plague, but the last plague is so monumental because it's not like any of the other plagues. You know, the, the, we've said it around here before, but there's no other story in the Bible that has been given more column inches and pages to explain in detail the story of the Exodus. There's no other story in the Bible like this one. Exodus 7 starts with his series of judgments on Egypt and its King Pharaoh. It would be so much so to us in the New Testament that that under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, the Apostle Paul would write these words in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11. Now all these things happen unto them for, uh, for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon, the whom's of the, upon whom the ends of the world are come. He, he said that, that Exodus 11, uh, Exodus chapter number 7, throughout the book of Exodus, was written for you and me in, in 1 Corinthians 10. Death of the firstborn. 
Every firstborn will die. From the king's house to the poorest house, every firstborn will die. They will all die. Every firstborn animal will die. God said every firstborn will die. They'll all die. You imagine as you're in Egypt that day? You imagine the next morning as they woke up, the screams and the cries throughout the land of Egypt, the screams and the cries in the house of Pharaoh? As God was telling the truth, they will all die. That is with, without the blood of the Lamb. There is one way out. And there is only one way out. Since the book of Exodus, there's only been one way. There's never been two ways. There's never been multiple ways to heaven. There's, there's never been multiple ways to escape death. There's only been one way. And God set a pattern. He said, this is the pattern and this is how it will be. But the children of Israel, and, and I mean, but the children of, uh, of Egypt and Pharaoh, they just couldn't get their mind wrapped around how true God really was. There had to be one, more than one way. Exodus 12 in verse number 3, he said, speaking unto, the uh, speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them a man, every man a lamb, according to his house, uh, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make count shall make uh, your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or out from the goats, and you shall keep it unto the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now there's more to this story. But I thought, I, th I thought we, would, we would kind of be able to summarize some of it. You can go back and look at the rest of Exodus 12 and you can see how serious of a thing it is. But the whole tone of the story of Exodus starts out with God shouting with a very loud voice, Man is nothing and God is all. The entire story. Man is nothing and God is all. Pharaoh, you're nothing and I'm everything. Moses, you're nothing and I'm everything. And I'm going to show you, Moses, that you're nothing and I'm everything. God's power has been on display. He has shown the strength of His hand. He has shown the, the, the right hand of His power. And yet the remedy, here, are you ready? The remedy for God's judgment lies in the pureness of a lamb of the first year. A lamb, as it were, without spot and without blemish. I think the first nine plagues are interesting. Because one, nobody dies. Nobody, no, nobody is really, no, there's not a whole lot of judgment being pronounced on an individual soul. And then God says at the very end, I'm going to culminate this thing. And, and, and if, you, if, if you go without ingesting the lamb, if you go without putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and on the lentils, guess what's going to happen, guys? Everybody of the firstborn in that home will die. Arguably, one of the greatest ways to understand what our Christian life's really all about is to understand the Exodus. It's to understand and to grasp that God brought us out so that He could bring us in. That God brought us out of Exodus so that He could bring us in the promised land. And what is so crazy and what is so mind-blowing about this whole, this whole idea is that God used a lamb to bring us out and God is using a lamb to bring us in. Of all the plagues, God has chosen. This is the only plague that affects all men. This is the only one. You hear what I'm saying? 
There was just nine plagues, and, 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 and those nine plagues did not affect the children of Israel. You see, Israel was protected in the land of Goshen from the first nine plagues. But the hedge has been lifted. God lifts the hedge on Israel when they have to make a choice to live or die. You see, that's what it's about. It's about death or life. It's about living or dying. And God has lifted the hedge on Israel. And says, if you want to live, you're now under the same judgment that Egypt's under. You're now under the same judgment that the, that the king is under. Now every man no longer could hide within the land of Goshen, but every man now will be hid from the wrath of God as they hide within their lamb. Every man must now have accounted that the word of God is true. That the word which God had given Moses and Moses had recited back to the children of Israel, that the word that God had given the man of God that he preached to them, they had to decide, is it true or is it a lie? You know, that's what we do every week in here. We preach and... You have to decide, is the word of God true or is it a lie? And, and so now the man that had to decide, he must had to make a choice. He had to make a choice within his heart. And in that choice would lie death or life. In that choice would be this question, is the, is the blood on the doorpost sufficient? He now must make a choice. Is the lamb sufficient? Is the lamb logical? Is the lamb sensible? Is this lamb even necessary? And he had to make the choice. It didn't matter from Egypt all the way to Israel, all the way from Egypt, all the way into Goshen. Every man had to make a choice and they had to ask the question, is this lamb necessary? You know, that's where we are today. You have to make a choice. Is this lamb sufficient? Is the lamb logical? Is the lamb sensible? Is the lamb even necessary for me to live? Maybe he asked the question. Must my hope lie within this little lamb? Exodus 12 through Exodus chapter Exodus 12 verse 3 down to Exodus 12 and verse number 6. You'll notice that, that they had to go and get the lamb on the 10th day of the month. And on the same day, on the same, in the same month, on the 14th day. So they kept the lamb for four days. I don't know if you've ever brought a puppy home. But it don't take four whole days for everybody to figure out that they fell in love with the puppy. I would dare say that it didn't take four whole days for everybody to figure out that they loved this yearling lamb. I would dare say that there would be a father that paced the yard looking at this lamb as his children would, would use this lamb for four days as a pet. And maybe ask the question, does all my hope lie within this little lamp? Maybe his four firstborns playing with this lamp. And he's asking the question, does, does my baby girl's hope lie within the lamp? Is that lamb's blood enough to keep my baby alive? Four days they had to look at this lamb. Before the ultimate culmination of the event would happen and they would they'd kill this lamb. And they'd take his blood and they'd put it on the doorpost and on the lentils of their home. And they would ingest the lamb that had been 
playing around in their yard for the last four days. Every child would be told, this lamb was given for you as a sacrifice. This is what God has told us to do in, in complete obedience. This is what we're supposed to do. And, and man, what a testimony that was for a mama and a daddy to do with their children. What a bit of a parenting advice we could get from the children of Israel as they would have to explain to their children why we're doing what we're doing. I dare say 90% of the parents in this room, if we're not careful, we won't even explain why we're doing what we're doing today. We'll go and we'll do, we'll do church and we'll do Easter and we won't take the time to sit down and talk about the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world and why we're doing what we're doing anyway. I don't know if you know this or not, but your children aren't going to heaven because you are. We've had enough people ride coattails to hell long enough. There's been plenty of children that rode their mom and daddy's coattails right straight off into the charred walls of the dam. There's many today that have, have professed their name to be written in a book that's nowhere to be found. Why? Well, because mom and daddy took me to church. Because mom and daddy made me get baptized. Because mom and daddy this. Because mom and daddy that. Friend, if we don't take the time to tell our children why the lamb's important to begin with, I dare say it's not much in your life as it is right now. Could it have been John's heart? When he said in John 1 and verse number 12, To as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, which were born not of blood, nor of water, nor the will of the flesh, but of God. There is no coattails going to heaven. There is no bloodline that's going to carry you to heaven. How am I going to get there? You're going to get there the same way the children of Israel understood to get there. They're going to get there by the blood of the Lamb, one without spot and one without blemish. We know Him to be the, the Lamb that took away the sin of the world, Jesus Christ in the flesh that stepped off the right hand of God, donned Himself in the robe of flesh and became like us for us. Amen. Amen. Man, what a night. What a night that must have been. As those parents would, in haste, ingest the lamb. It's a sign of necessity. They didn't lollygag around with it. The Bible says they did it in haste. They didn't mess around with, with, with eating the lamb. No, they did it in haste and they made their family do it in haste. Why? Because it was a necessity. This was not games. This was death and this was life. Nobody's playing anymore. We're not talking about frogs. We're not talking about blood. We're not talking about flies. We're talking about life and death. We're talking about our firstborn dying. We're talking about screams and cries throughout the entirety of the land because our firstborns are dying. We gotta ingest the lamb. We gotta do it quickly. We looked at the lamb, and and, and I don't really have time to go back through them, but we looked looked at the places in the Bible where the lamb was mentioned. We looked at Abel's lamb in Genesis four, and I, I give you the references for all these. We looked at Abraham's lamb and. The Passover lamb and the lamb in Leviticus and lamb in Isaiah 53. We looked at the Ethiopian lamb, uh, Ethiopian lamb in, in Acts chapter number 8. That was the same lamb in Isaiah 53. We looked at Peter's lamb in 1 Peter chapter number 1. We looked at the lamb that John seen in Revelation chapter number 5. We looked in the, at the lamb in Revelation 21 and verse 22 and 23. We looked at the Lamb in Revelation chapter number 22. A couple of weeks ago, we, we checked out Adam and Eve's Lamb as God made coats of skin and clothed them. Now, we don't know to what extent that was or to what animal that actually was, but we do know when we look at Abel in, in, in Genesis chapter number 4 that we've got a pretty good understanding. There's a real good shot it was a lamb. So you got all the way from Revelation 22 to Genesis chapter 3. 
God's using a ramp. This morning, I, 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 I want to focus on something this morning that I thought was, was rather intriguing. I want to look at the lamb again this morning. I'd like to focus on the lamb's wounds. I'd like to focus on the lamb's wounds, and I'd like to say there is no wounded lamb. There is a lamb with wounds, but there is no wounded lamb. Probably probably the, the greatest chapter in all your Bible to to give the prophecy of, the, of Christ's crucifixion is Isaiah 53. The Bible says, Surely hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and, by, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, I, I, want, I, want, I want to take Isaiah 53, and I want to compare it to, to some places in the New Testament. But first, I want to say he was wounded. He was bruised and he was chastised. He, he was wounded, he was bruised, and he was chastised. You say, yeah, we know that. But I want to say to you this morning, I, I believe the wounds were made. And I get to where I, I where, where I, I think I, I think I can prove their wounds remain, and I, I'm going to give you some reasons why I believe that's such. Look in John chapter number twenty, verse number nineteen, and then the same day at evening, at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he, he had said uh, so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He showed them his hands, and he showed them the side, the side in which the spear had pierced. Evidently, there's still a wounded man. You see, how can a man be wounded and still be living? Well, he is Jesus Christ. Look, look in verse 24 with me. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So Thomas is not with them at this time. We, we think Thomas is out floundering around doing something dumb. And the other disciples, they find him. Therefore said unto him, when they find him, they said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But, but he said unto them, Except I see in his hands the prints of the nails and put my fingers Put my finger into the, into the prints of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. Now where, where, where you gotta where you gotta get to is you, you gotta understand that they had came to Thomas and they had told Thomas, man, you're never gonna believe this. We seen the Lord and we seen the prints in his hand and we seen the, the wound in his side. Man, you're never gonna believe. It. And Thomas says, Look, I ain't believing you, jokers. Unless I see it with my own hands and I put my fingers in the side of the Savior, I will not believe. And after eight days again, verse 26, his disciples were within and Thomas was with them. And then, uh, then Jesus came, the door, doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace, unto, uh, peace be unto you. Then saith he unto Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be, and, and, uh, and be not faithless, but believing. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, and thou hast believed, blessed are they, which ha uh, blessed are they that have not seen, yet believe. There's another account in Luke chapter 24. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And when he saith unto him, Why are you troubled? And why do, uh, and, and why, uh, do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet that 
that it, uh, that it is I myself handle me and see for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see, as ye see me have. And thus, uh, excuse me, and when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye any meat here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. That's terrible, by the way. I mean, Jesus comes around. Don't give him no broiled fish, please. And of honeycomb. And he took it and he did eat before them. So, so I want you to make sure that, that get, get what's going on. They are thinking that it's a spirit, but Jesus says, does the spirit have flesh and bone? I, I got a theory about this. I wonder if his visage is still so marred. That they can't recognize who he is. I mean, it would serve to reason if there's wounds in his hands and there's wounds in his feet and there's a wound in his side that there's probably still the prince from the, from the deity, the deity of all heaven wearing the crown of thorns. He said, he says, he said does, a, does a spirit eat? These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. Thus all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. He's like, this is, this is all, about, all them had been about me. And he said unto them, thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things and behold I send you the promise of the, fa uh, send the, promise of the Father uh, upon you but tarry ye here in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I want to say this morning the, the Lamb's wounds prove that this is the same lamb that took away the sin of the world. The lamb's wounds prove that this is the same lamb that took away the sin of the world. This is Isaiah 53's lamb. This is the one that was bruised. This is the one that was beaten. This is the one that was mocked. This is the one that was wounded. This is the one that was ridiculed. This is the one that, that wore a crown of thorns like a royal crown from heaven. This is him. And the lamb's wounds prove that it's the same lamb that took away the sin of the world. It's crazy. You've got all kinds of people that sit on pews week after week in churches all over the country and they're still looking for proof. They sat religious as Nicodemus was. They sat religious as, 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 as religious as they know how to be in good churches all over the country and they're still looking for proof. They're still looking for an Isaiah 53. They're still looking for a Luke 24. They're still looking. They're like, man, if God would do that for them, then he ought to do it for me. He ought to let me see the prince and he ought to let me feel the sigh. No, no, friend, you and me have been given the opportunity to believe without sin. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. You, you. You've got friends, and no doubt your friends are looking for proof. They're looking for proof. They. They. They live looking for proof. There's some of us in this room, and we are saved. And and you know what? You live like you're looking for proof. You live like you need a reason to get up in the morning and serve Jesus Christ. You live depressed and defeated and downhearted and 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 just so fed up with your entire life. You live so bogged down in sin. You live so bogged down with your life, and the whole time God Himself and all of His glory and all of His goodness is saying. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. It's the same Lamb. Amen. I don't know why you're here today. 
but he kept the wounds. So his 12 could see him. You know what? He cares about those following. Let me say number two, the lamb's wounds are to the glory of God the Father. The lamb's wounds are to the glory of God the Father. Revelation 5 and verse number 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, you ready? As it had been slain. Now this is, this is where I would say what would, would be a pretty good indication that whatever John seen in Revelation chapter number 5, he's seen a lamb, not as it had not been slain, but he didn't see the lamb laying. He didn't see the lamb on, he, he did not see the lamb laying. He didn't see the lamb on an altar. He didn't see the lamb, he didn't see it but one way. The Bible said that it was standing. The Bible said that it was standing. Anytime you see this, you see something like this in your Bible, it's a sign of strength. It's a sign of strength. And, and this lamb, I want you to get it, this lamb stood, but he didn't just stand, he stood as a lamb. As it had been slain. John seen a lamb, God let John see a lamb as it standing, as it had been slain. That's amazing. It's just unbelievable. So verse number 9, here's what happens. Is they see this lamb standing as it had been slain. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed, us unto, uh, hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. They started singing a song when they seen the lamb standing as it was slain. Revelation 5 and verse number 12 saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Revelation chapter 7 and verse number 9 And this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and psalms and palms in their hands cried with a loud voice. You ready? Salvation. Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Revelation 12 says they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved their lives not unto death. Revelation 13, And all that dwelt upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written you ready? In, the, in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the, foundations of, from the foundation of the world. Revelation 17, verse number 14, These shall make war. With the lion. Is that what it says? These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords, and the king of king and king of kings, and they that are with him are called and are chosen and are faithful. Revelation 21 and verse 23 says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Amen. Revelation 22 and verse number 1 says it like this, And he showed me a pure river of water, crystal, uh, excuse me, clear as crystal, 
proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. There shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. My friend, I, here, here's, here's, here's what I want you to get. The Lamb's still wounded. I don't, I don't think, I don't know that, I don't know that we quite get, I don't know that we quite get I, I, exactly all that that entails. But when John turned to see, he did not see a lion. He seen a lamb. 28 times, at least 28 times in the book of Revelation, he is called the lamb. And it's hard to miss that this is the lamb of God. God's wrath is the wrath of the lamb. Cleansing is by the blood of the lamb. The church is the bride of the lamb. You say, what is that so significant for? I, I, I don't know how many of us exactly understand. This one moment in time that we celebrate. This one moment in time that you and I are celebrating right now. Greatest thing ever happened to me in my life was walking in the Northside Baptist Church and hearing God's man preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Greatest thing ever happened to me. Greatest thing ever, ever, ever took place in my life was, was God taking that man and using that book and preaching that gospel. The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it goes so much deeper than that. Man, the Lamb is in heaven today with the same wounds. Why? Because, because all of heaven looks sees the perfect picture their God. Do you realize that? Do you realize this is the perfect picture of our God so strong and so majestic and so mighty and at the same time took on him the form of a servant? He sits on a throne right now with the saint. The lamb sits on the throne right now. It's always been about a lamb. And brother Daniel, it will always be about a lamb. It will be the lamb that lights heaven. I think we miss the entirety of how important this lamb actually is. It's not just important to get us out. It's important to get us in. Man, I know guys that, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I know guys that know this book backwards and forwards. I know guys that know this book, that know this book 10,000 times better than I do. I know, that, I know guys that, that can win literally any argument that you want to win in the Bible. Do you know what I found out? If you're not careful, You'll forget what this book's about. You'll forget what your life's about. You'll forget what preaching's actually supposed to be about. Listen, preaching wasn't supposed to glorify a doctrine. It was supposed to glorify Jesus Christ. Preaching wasn't supposed to glorify me, and it wasn't supposed to glorify you. It wasn't supposed to, it wasn't supposed to make you feel all warm and fuzzy. No, what was it supposed to do? It was supposed to bring out the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, that sits at the right hand of God right now, that one day, guess what? We're all going to bow before There's one more thing, and, and, and Daniel, you can play that pen if you would. One more thing. The lamb's wounds say, come unto me. I 
Matthew 11 and verse 28, Come unto me, all you that are laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Lamb's wounds say, Come. The Lamb's wounds didn't go away. They're still there. He has the wounds, yet he's not wounded. He says, come unto me. You see the wounds. Look at the feet. Look at the nails. Look at my feet. Look at my hands. Look at my side. Look at my brow. Look at my back. I'm, I, I bear the wounds in my body. But I want you to know he's not wounded. He's the only person anybody in this room could ever come to. Why? Because he bears wounds that had not wounded him. You know, you, know, you know what, there's people in this room and I can help you and I can, I can do this and I can do that and I can counsel you till we're blue in the face but I got news for you, there's only one that you're going to get to. There's only one that you're going to come to that's actually the one that was wounded yet that, 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 that has wounds that is not wounded. He's the only one that's ever going to satisfy you. This place ain't going to satisfy you. This place is going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. I'll be the first one. If you're looking for me, if you're looking at me, I, I, I mean, you, you probably got ideas of how grand other pastors are. Well, let go with me. You go with me. I'll let you see how grand all these pastors are across this country. They all got flaws. They all got failures. They all got issues. You, you, you just because they know the Bible, they, that don't, that don't mean they ain't got no issues. This place is going to let you down. These people in this church are going to let you down. Jesus Christ is the only one that will not let you down. I go back to what, what I was asking the question. Is, is, is this, this man, is he's, is he's contemplating those four days and looking at that little lamb running around there, Brother Sean. Is the lamb enough? Is the lamb enough? You know, that's the question that, that, that they've been contemplating for 2,000 years. Is the Lamb of God that taken away, is that enough? Sad to say, there's a lot of us that have, have said He's enough and we've sang He's enough. We ain't actually believed He's enough. Our kids don't know He's enough. Man, our kids don't see us worship like they should. Now, I, I mean, it's just a fact, man. We gotta get to the place that we let our let this church and our families in this world know that the Lamb is enough. Man, I remember I ain't, I ain't told this story in a long time. Me and, and Jordan remember this one. Me and Jordan and, and the kids. Hutton Ridge hadn't been born yet. And me and Jordan and the kids, we <clears throat> we went to the we went to the fair over in, in Cobb County. And we've been going for years. And uh, you know that uh, the big Ferris wheel. Well the Ferris wheel, man, it for some reason, it was the it was the highlight of the girls' whole trip. And so every year, we made it a point that that was the last thing we was going to ride. So on the way out, we we'd stop by that Ferris wheel. Lines ten miles long. It didn't make me sick, so I was okay standing in the line. Sarah Joan Claire, man, they loved it. every year, Ruthie. Ruthie just wasn't tall enough. She'd get up there and 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 they they measure and, and she was almost there. You know how she did? She sneak up on her toes just a little bit. She just never was, never was good. Well, this last year, we this next year, man, we talked this thing up like you wouldn't believe. There was no way that Ruthie wasn't going to be able to ride this thing this time. 
She'd gotten taller, everything gotten better. I mean, she got, I mean, was, she, she done grew, sprouted up pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, she, well, this, this is it. You got it this year. Jordan, man, we was all on the, oh, Ruthie, man, you're going to love it. You're going to get up way high and you're going to see everything. It's going to be great. We get up there. I don't know, there's two kinds of people that run them, them, uh, them lines at the fair. There's one kind that, nobody likes and there's another kind everybody likes well the kind that nobody likes was up there when Ruthie got there and she man she's at fault I, I mean dude her hair's almost touching the line she's like dude I'm, I'm fine I got that or her sisters are done her sisters are already on it I mean they you know they just ran through didn't even Measure them. They're already sitting on it. And I'm standing there with Ruthie. And I'm like, no, no, bro, you got to let her on. So I, I can't do that. No, I'm, I'm not. She can't get on. I was like, why? What? Man, her hair's almost. Tough. So she's, she's, she don't meet the requirement. I said, man, you, you got you got to let her on. You just don't realize it's going to crush this little girl. He says, sir, she don't meet the requirement. I don't know what to tell you. Sarah, don't play her on the other end. Come on, Ruthie. Come on, Ruthie. And I'm over, I'm like, man, you're making the situation way worse. Well, you know me, I, I, I'm like, bro, I, I mean, you want 20? You want 50? What do you want? We got to make this happen. At this point, I mean, I'm looking for $100 bills. And he says, I'm not taking money to let your kid on the ride. I said, well, what's it going to take? She can sit in my lap. She can do whatever. Sir, I don't know which part of this you don't understand, but she does not meet the requirement. She is not getting on the ride. This line's long. goes up three sets of things. It's just me and Sir Joe and Claire and Ruthie. I got a ride with Sarah Joe and Claire. Jordan, she's standing off back down here. And I had to, I had to leave and go ride with Sarah Joe and Claire. And all I can remember is that little girl walking back by them. Going back to her mama just to cry. Jordan picked her up and she reached out and she threw her hands up just to cry. You know what I thought? This is the same thing that happens to. go in with their family but one of them hadn't met the requirement this is what happens at the great white throne when we're all standing around and he says depart from me ye that work iniquity You know why? Because they didn't meet the requirement. Well, 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 what's the requirement? The lamb. The lamb's the only requirement. There is no other requirement. The lamb is the only way. The lamb's the only way you're going to get peace. The lamb's the only way you're going to get access to the Father. The lamb's the only way you're going to live the Spirit-filled life. I'm telling you till you come to the place to where you have got in your heart. It is the lamb plus nothing and minus nothing. Your kids don't get to go and mine don't either without the lamb. Good church members don't go to heaven. Preachers don't go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Who goes? They have to have the Lamb. And they'll be judged on that day whether they have Him or whether they don't. And I want to say to you, just like that day at that fair with that little beautiful blonde-headed girl being escorted back down that ramp, 
That's what it'll be. That's what it'll be on that day. I sat around there on that Ferris wheel as we went around. I couldn't enjoy my other two girls. We're thinking about the other one not being on the wheel. There's a lot of us in here and we've been blinded. You're enamored with things and that wheel is going around and you got people that's just having to be escorted off in your life right now. People dying and going to hell by the droves. People ain't got no peace. People ain't got no, they they ain't got a reason to live. They ain't got a, they, they don't know why they're living. They don't know, and you got the secret to life down in your soul. You got the secret to life living on the inside. You got the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world and you hold it up like it's your Lamb. No, it's the Lamb of the world. I don't know. I don't know, man. I can't imagine. I can't imagine feeling on the day the great white throne judgment. Can't imagine how amplified it will feel in my heart the day it felt when I was on that Ferris wheel going around without one of my children. How's it gonna feel? Maybe there's somebody in here and you got some kids. And how's it going to feel without your kids going? You don't witness to them. You don't live right around them. You live like hell. You're crooked as the day is long. You cuss. Ain't no real worship. Ain't no real submission. You know what? I wouldn't go either. I, if, if that's what the Lamb does, I wouldn't go either. That's the kind of peace the Lamb brings, and I don't want that either. Look, don't get too offended. Because there's room for repentance. There's room for repentance. You can die and you can go to hell from church pew just as easy as you can die and you can go to hell from barstool. Just as easy as you can die and go to hell uh, from, from, from a drug house. Just as easy as they'll die and go to hell from the White House. Just as easy as they'll die and go to hell from the rich man's house. Now, man, this morning I, I want to I want to clarify in your mind. The lamb was enough in Exodus chapter 12. The lamb was enough in Exodus chapter 12 to save the firstborn. The lamb was enough in John chapter number 1 to save the entirety of the race, the entirety of mankind. The lamb's enough to give you peace. The Lamb's enough to glorify God and all of His goodness in His wounds. What you do with them matters. Miss Candace, would you come up here and help him? Let's do this. Every head bowed. How many of you in this room say, if I die right now, I have perfect assurance in my heart. If I die, if I draw my last breath right now, that I have that I have made sure. And I know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and my personal Savior. Would you slide your hand up? I just want to see.
Maybe I wonder, is somebody in here and you say, uh, Brother Lee, I, I don't have any assurance of my own salvation. I, I want you to pray for me this morning. I don't have any assurance at all of my salvation. Would you just slide that along with me? See, it slide right back down. I'm just going to pray for you. That's all I'm going to do. All right. I wonder how many of you could could decide this morning that you're going to glorify the Lord for who He is and what He's done in sending His only Son, the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world for a worthless, for a worthless wretch as you. Maybe you just want, maybe you won't come thank the Lord for that. Maybe you just want to come thank God. Maybe you just take His time. You would just come be sincere in, in thanking the Lord that you are not the person you used to be. You're not who you want to be, but you're not the person you used to be. Maybe you got some things you need to repent of. Maybe there's some things going on in your home that nobody else knows about. I've spent all weekend talking with, with people about sin. Nobody else knew about it in their home. Everything looks good on the outside, sin raging on the inside. Lord, I, I love you and I thank you for the Lamb of God. Thank you for his wounds. Thank you for his wounds that prove he's the same Lamb that died on Calvary. Thank you for the wounds that that he's bore in his body that would save that you're glorified through them wounds that God is glorified through them and, and, and Lord thank you for those wounds that call unto me and call unto people all across this world that says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest those wounds give us rest and so Lord I want to thank you Lord, I pray for, the, for, for, for those in this room that, that's lost. God, they know they are. They live in their life like uh, they, they know that they're living with a perpetual fear that if they died at this point in their life, that they will die and bust hell wide open. God, I pray this morning. I pray they wouldn't live like that anymore. I pray, God, they wouldn't live within the confines of that fear, but, God, they'd come to you in a, looking for a free pardon. They'd come to Jesus Christ and get a pardon for their sin. God bless this morning. Brother Daniel, keep your, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Brother Daniel, Miss Candace is going to sing. Hey, some already in the altar. I, I wonder how many more of you. Man, you'd, you'd just find your place on this Easter Sunday. Some of you in here is lost and need to be saved. Why don't you just come? Why don't you get that settled? Be done with it. Quit fighting it. Quit messing around with the Lord. Won't you just come do that this morning? Make it sure this morning. You come on. Go ahead. I love the Lord and I love his word. And I know that he died for my sin. There's still hard times this life of mine that I need to hear it all again how that Jesus came down for them he shed his blood and he died for them and tell me how he rose again won't you tell me that story the King of all glory laid down His love for me. It's a story so precious. Oh, how it blesses.
He's been a lot of he's been a lot of last altar call, last verse altar calls that I've watched people slip out of the pew and get saved on. Chandler's this Easter feel better than the ones before. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's got to feel better being saved. It's gotta mean more. It's gotta mean more to you being saved. Listen, you, you need to come. Why won't you just come? You say, oh, you're just looking for something emotional, something. I'm not looking for nothing. I don't, listen, I, I've been tickled, slapped to death about being saved and Easter and the resurrection. I don't need you to help me do none of that. Like, believe, believe it or not, I don't, get none of, I don't get none of this stuff I preach. I don't get none of this stuff offline. nobody help me do nothing I don't need nobody help me praise the Lord I, I need you to see that God is good enough to praise on your own that God is good enough in all of his goodness in all of his glory he still bears the marks of your sin he still bears the marks of your transgression he still bears the marks of your chastisement of our peace on him the only reason you got peace is because he bled and died for it's the only reason you got peace right now. You lay your head, you pillow your head tonight, and the only reason you got peace is because Jesus Christ paid for it with chastisement, with chastisement, with a beating, with a crown of thorns, with a cat of nine tails strapped across his back, being strung out between heaven and earth for hours in the sun, naked before man. I mean, that's why you got peace. That's why you got an entrance into heaven. That's why you got access to the Father. That's why you got eternal life. You say, why is that so? Listen, friend, if I if that didn't do something to me, and if in my heart that didn't spring up and well up something inside of me that did something different than ever before, I'd wonder just how born again I really was. Why? Well, I've been hearing it for years. The power of God unto salvation is the gospel. It's the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've gotten so far removed from it. We've gotten so far away from it. Our lives are not, our lives are not focused on it anymore. And i got news for you. Till we get back to that, you're not going to have what you used to have. You're not going to have the joy you used to have. You're not going to have the desire to see people saved that you used to have. Till you see that that is actually, that is actually the power of God. That the gospel is the power of God. Miss Candice, don't you y'all, y'all sing that thing one more time, man? Maybe you just want to, maybe you want to come. I, I don't know. You're in here and you're lost. I'm, I'm begging you, man. It ain't no better Sunday than this Sunday to be born again. You need to get saved. You come on. You need to get right with the Lord. You come on. You need to praise the Lord. Do it, man. Quit playing around with the Lord. Let's get serious with God. life of mine that I need to hear 
That's how far you removed our transgressions. And Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name for that. God, help us to, to get to the place where we can, we can be accountable, offering the sacrifice of praise for that. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for this place. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in here. Thank you for the lives you're working in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 